This is Art House Roadshow, a podcast on film, faith, and mental health with your hosts, Kyle Myers and Hank Spaulding. Roadshow. We're back. It's been a while. Um, we've had a crazy summer, uh, and I am joined here, thankfully, by my wonderful uh, co-host, uh, Kyle Myers. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing pretty good, and um, I'm sorry sorry for the uh, big gap in between our time here. We had big plans for the summer, you and I, to yeah. get together. and We did. Yeah. <laughs> and we, it didn't happen. Yeah, it did. Oh, I, I was telling the viewers when I, I kind of like dumped a, a ton of content that I'd been working on um, before COVID and then after COVID. So it just seemed like I dropped three episodes at once. But yeah, I got sick and then you got sick. Um, and then we were kind of, I was caught in prep, preparing for the fall. Yeah. You know, you, you've you had some other stuff you've been working on and, and some family things that have been, have been good things. But, yep. um, you know, that have been, really kept us from being together. And so we're sorry <laughs> for that. That's right. But we're really excited to be back with you today. Um, is it, what's going on in your life, Kyle? Well, uh, the biggest thing is I just dropped off my 18-year-old son. He'll be 19 in November, but he graduated high school uh, this past spring, and we just dropped him off in Nashville, Tennessee mm-hmm. uh, for college. And so he's he's our first child, so everything that comes with uh, you know leaving a person who's been with you for the last 18 years in a of different course. city um, comes up with that. And he's also uh, definitely my partner in crime when it comes to watching movies and discussing them and, and all of that. Uh, we've had cultivated a great relationship around, you know, that. So mm-hmm. not having him there all the time to bounce things off of is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, it's these days very easy to connect. Right. As opposed to when I went to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a phone and long distance cards you had to buy at walmart call long distance home and (laughs) call collect or whatever kind of thing you had to do so but anyways yeah uh so that's a big event for us obviously yeah and for those who are interested in the thoughts of the younger myers uh the art house roadshow tweeted out a review yeah um by him on a very wonderful flick so i'd invite you to check us out at art house roadshow on twitter and read that review that'd be a great way to support him um and maybe one day we'll get him on the podcast that's right uh, that'd be cool to kind of hear his thoughts about something um, for sure. Um, yeah, so I, this we haven't done this segment in forever because we haven't been together for a while, but um, there's been a lot of stuff that's been released, a lot of stuff that will be released. We'll talk a little bit about our favorites of the year and what we're looking forward to in the fall. But uh, for now, what are you watching right now, Kyle, that's kind of piqued your interest? Yeah, well, uh, to the same uh, situation with my son going to school, we, we were catching up on some classic films either he'd never seen or revisiting some. Uh, and a couple we revisited was Stand By Me um, and Moonrise Kingdom mm-hmm. uh, to the, you know, again, coming of age stories that he watched while he was coming of age. So it was interesting to kind of revisit those movies uh, and, and kind of qualify them differently. Actually, the whole family went back to revisit Stand By Me. I probably showed it to them when they were all too young in the mm-hmm. first place. Um, and for years they've been like, I never want to watch that movie again, but we did. Um, and, uh, going through that Stephen King, uh, journey of confronting death and finding the dead body and, and everything that comes with that. So that was a really valuable, uh, experience, I think for the family. And then as soon as I got back from Nashville, put on fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, um, because obviously I was a family favorite and it's been a, a while since I've seen it. And, uh, but just some really great, valuable uh, things there. And reading more about uh, the doll, Roald Dahl book versus Wes Anderson's adaptation and what Wes Anderson brought to it, which was mm-hmm. a lot of uh, mm-hmm. spiritual uh, baptism-related uh, spiritual journey for Mr. Fox uh, type stuff that I uh, was really great. And I put some of that on Instagram, yeah. wrote about a scene for that. Uh, so that was actually you know just a really valuable experience. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yep. That's, that's great. I, I, th- I still think that in our, uh, in our musings here, I think eventually like the overarching themes of some Wes Anderson movies might be something we should consider. Absolutely. Uh, we did it with Terrence Malick. Right. Um, I still, th- we need to do it with Scorsese as well. Yep. 
I just, mostly I just want to go through silence with you and discuss that film. I know that that's a it's near and dear to me, and I know you love Scorsese. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's there's some overarching themes that we touched on, especially back I think when we were talking about licorice pizza. Uh huh. Um, that I think are worth kind of us exploring, and and uh, I would invite everyone who listens to the podcast to check out those films because they're real good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're real good. Um, it's really funny. Uh, you know, you're diving into Scorsese. Uh, the last movie I watched, um, just out of morbid curiosity, I because I grew up in the '90s during kind of like the action hero race between Stallone and Schwarzenegger. And um, and he he just released his own superhero movie called uh, mm. A Samaritan. Yeah. Um, and the plot holes aside, it's a very interesting story for Stallone. Um, there are you know there are plot holes in that you could drive trucks through, but um, it's an interesting take on on the superhero genre that I think is is fascinating. I don't want to ruin anything, but it'd be interesting uh, yeah. viewers for you guys to yeah, check I, out. I, that's on my list to watch for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to give it a five star recommendation, but it's not Morbius level, um, for <laughs> sure. Um, well, anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, we've got some plans coming up on the Roadhouse. Uh, Roadhouse, sorry, this is we're going to watch Roadhouse. Uh, on the, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Ro- Roadhouse on the Roadshow. Um, we got some uh, stuff coming up on the Roadshow that I just wanted to clue everyone into. Um, we, uh, both Kyle and I, and I mentioned this on my, uh, last solo podcast over Brian and Charles, um, that I was going to do something with black phone and Nope. And, um, I think we're actually going to collab on that. So you get to hear from Kyle and I both on that. Absolutely. Uh, interesting stuff is happening in the last few years with the horror genre, mm-hmm. especially with Jordan Peele. Um, you've heard me rave about Uma on here as well, which is, uh, is a great film. I would highly recommend that. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna collab on that hopefully uh, later in, uh, sep- in September. We're kind of reaching the end of, of August, but uh, we'll get on there and uh, talk about that. And then for our one year anniversary coming up, we're gonna cover Halloween Ends, um, which if you've been a longtime listener of the Roadshow, you know that um, that was the first movie, Halloween Kills, that we talked about. And so this will be great to kind of uh, put a year celebration on that and. Really just, uh, you know, go out and end the year with a bang. And so that's going to be great. Absolutely. But, uh, today, we are going to talk about some multiverse stuff. Uh, there have been a lot of multiverse movies, specifically this year, with um, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and also Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But as Kyle reminded me here today, um, we also had the Spider-Verse movie, which, you know, was the animated film. But you could also include within that No Way Home with um, Spider-Man. And so... Obviously, a lot of those couched in the superhero genre, but multiverse has been a really interesting theme that's been covered in a lot of genres, not just um, superhero films um, in recent years. Um, You see a lot of it even with like um, uh, science fiction films like Star Trek or The Orville have covered it, I think, in recent years as well. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, So as we're kind of going into this... um, I guess we can start wherever, but you know, do you have any kind of opening thoughts about this uh, recent fascination with the multiverse um, in popular films or culture? Yeah, I mean, there's a number of interesting you know, questions of, of why um, that's opening up to something to explore other than I think Marvel uh, introduced it on some level as a potential reset for anything that they want to right. bring back, you know, the, a second Iron Man trilogy or whatever. If they that's want right, to. yeah. Um, <clears throat> But I think, yeah, culturally, it's it. There is a kind of uh, on the we're moving away from faith component uh, and dealing with life on scientific uh, terms mm-hmm. uh, exclusively or uh, philosophically, especially uh, more nihilistic philosoph- philosophy uh, for sure. But just kind of contending with a world that doesn't believe in something bigger than itself. Yes. Uh, while at the same time, the world is closer to each feels closer to each other uh all the time in terms of world events and world responsibility and all these things that we take on on the internet in particular um so the multiverse to me in some ways there's like it's representing a kind of psychological fragmentation fracture uh Mm -hmm. which you see in everything everywhere all at once when they um show the the first time the mom enters in and the, the glass breaks and, right. and she's half here, half there. Um, and there seems to be something, you know, again, as we um, are scientifically, medically, and philosophically, whatever, progressing, mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, somehow anxiety and depression, even pre-COVID uh, suicides on the rise. Right. Um, those things are not, you know, we're not feeling safer, more at peace um, or healthier. So, you know, those are interesting questions related to maybe what, uh, you know, the subtext of the multiverse might might be. Yeah, that, absolutely. I, I, th- I think that's such a fascinating idea because you talked about the whole scientific kind of revolution that we're very much on the tail end of. But, you know, I there's this really great book uh, written by my doctoral advisor about kind of the shift in technology that um, we are kind of being formed. I mean, um, I think the person who, Wendell Berry, for example, talks about this a lot, like a, mm-hmm. a, a computer is itself a forming kind of machine. It's not just something that you is a passive object. It's something that shapes its user as much as you sure. use it. Um, and he talks about how, like, you know, uh, the book that I read was, it goes all the way back to, you know, the early church. In that time, everything was kind of governed by uh, spiritual forces that themselves dictated what happened to us. And so in some sense, our lives were kind of left up to the fates of the spiritual realm. But as kind of society progressed, there was this growing awareness of that you can observe and even sometimes, like, fabricate things. Like, so there's this famous example in America of this church in Pennsylvania that fell into disrepair and um, collapsed, um, but no one was in it because that Sunday they had prepared, the church had to worship somewhere else. And Jonathan Edwards, who's a famous theologian, comments on it, and he's able to explain providence in a scientific way, which is something that was always behind the veil of mysteries for, uh, for previous generations. And so that shift now is saying, okay, we're describing providence through these very clear scientific means. Now it's starting to collapse the spiritual inside of hmm. technology to the point now where we just hijack it. That's the whole idea. And so you yeah. get this idea of this scientific um, revolutions underway. And some people even as far as like someone like Ray Kurzweil, which if you want to <laughs> have nightmares, read his books. Uh, because he, he wants like a very clear like synthesis between humanity and machines. Um, and it does with this this piece that you're talking about with mental health like the the logic is is that if you can implant enough microchips in your brain you can adjust it on the fly Mm. you know kind of like give yourself certain like levels of um you know serotonin and it'll do it automatically if you've got an anger disorder it'll like shut down portions of your brain when you're experiencing you know uncontrollable anger and so there's a sense in which, you know, we're starting to think about fabricating the human experience yeah. to certain lenses. And I think there's some dangers in that um, for sure, because it, it comes with a certain understanding of like, OK, what does it mean to be human and all of our frailties and things like that? Yep. And um, there's a uh, there's a really actually a really interesting movie um, that was uh, I don't know if you saw it, it was on Apple Plus. It was um, was it Spider's Web or something like that? It was about a prison. Chris Hemsworth was in it, and they were performing experiments on all the prisoners, basically like giving them drugs that would increase their jubilance or increase their anger or mm. increase their like arousal or something like that. Um, and it's fascinating to think about like that's actually pretty close within reach. Um, and I'm, it's interesting to see, to hear you talk about how like the the idea of the multiverse is this great hope. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, like it's a it's a secular. Um, like myth it's a, i would say as a theologian a secular kind of eschatology because yeah if we can't find our hope here we can find it somewhere else right and that's kind of what they're tapping into especially in everything everywhere all at once and even multiverse of madness you've got the scarlet witch trying to find her kids right somewhere else and then evelyn here tapping into the the multiversal powers to fight right I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up there, and it's just that it made me think of that. <laughs> yeah, for sure, absolutely, absolutely, and even just yeah, the idea of all these other versions of ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, right? Which is part of our uh, anxiety contention, mm-hmm. um, and you know the work, especially uh, with younger people in counseling, of just uh, issues surrounding identity. Mm-hmm. Um, who I am, because um, again, pre-modern, pre-industrial times. Uh, wasn't that long ago we were still fairly tribal and right. where you grew up if you grew up Amish which is still true for the Amish now but you're taught to be Amish and you're taught right. to identify as an Amish person and this mm-hmm. how, how being Amish works mm-hmm. um, and there's actually less anxiety around that because I'm being taught and I'm being given and now you know this is how I live my life right right, right. Um, and so even though it sounds you know less 
uh, constrained to have the freedom to choose and to figure out, obviously, if you're not, you don't have a strong sense of self, especially as a young person that's still developing. Uh, but you're supposed to choose this major. You're supposed to choose this career. Right. You're supposed to choose this person. Uh, fall in love uh, mm-hmm. and get married, all these things. And so this um, very intensive rise in perfectionism of I've got to do it right and not have regret and not have guilt and not mess it up, you know, all those things um, that mm-hmm. are fairly like, you know, almost anybody can empathize with that experience. Yeah. Um, so all that's there. And you see kind of this, yeah, with the, with especially with everything everywhere all at once, like, you know, what did I miss out on? What version of myself did I not get to be? Right. Uh, and it's like, and which is not, you know, it's a, been a typical modern midlife crisis experience. But now it's like just the adolescent, young adult experience. Right. right? Yeah. A constant contention, you know, with that. In addition to the celebration of youth and not getting old and all these things that mm-hmm. um, are being celebrated. Uh, to hold on to and to maintain and CrossFit until you're yes. 85 <laughs> and whatever, right, yeah. you know, that it's, there's a, uh, a lot of distortion beneath the, that, that kind of way of thinking and living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah. love that. Like the, the language of perfectionism that you use. Yeah. Cause one of the things I get uh, as a response to like, for example, like certain Christian theological narratives of perfectionism is like, well, that's an ideal that I can never attain. And that's why I think that secularity is itself its own form of religion. It has a religiosity yeah. that itself promotes a, a perfectionism that is just as strict. It's just we're willing to assent to that yeah. for some reason because it feels more chosen when it really isn't. Like all of these things, like, you know, that you bring up the Amish um, example, like we are all formed into a certain aspect of what is the perfect secular subject right. in that kind of sense. And in some sense, like Christianity or, or even Islam or Judaism or any of the major religions of the yep. world themselves are having to really deal with the fact that there is a kind of secularized version of their faith yeah. that has been completely like made it in, in like um, unrecognizable to its kind of classical roots. And I think sure. that's one of the more fascinating things. And it, it does cause this anxiety. And so we want to change. And so and I love this, too. And I, this is something I want to ask you just as a men- mental health like professional in some sense i wonder is it a sense in which like if we were reflecting on the question is like well what if i would have done this differently you know like what if so like i think of the movie another earth which is like, another one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies of all time and you have this girl who wants to get to this second planet because she thinks the mirror version of herself hasn't made the same mistakes that she has and that's her drive and she doesn't deal with the mistake that she makes right instead and puts all of her energy in this other form and so like since this multiversal hope for lack of a better word is there is that something that hijacks our ability to actually do the process of therapy um, and moving on and healing from our past mistakes like can you reflect on that maybe it's an easy answer but i mean what are your thoughts on that yeah yeah certainly not easy but there is something to again just um uh certainly rejecting the celebration of youth thing that's happening and and even the more progressive wealthier more privileged ideal of just having less children or not having children right and just because like that's that doesn't work with who i want to be or what you know my career goals or whatever Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um and so this whole natural process of you know we used to get married earlier and have children earlier and be working together and doing all that but part of having children uh certainly my um experience is that you're constantly reflected Mm. you know Mm. in all these different ways um and how you react to you know when i'm working with other parents and you're reacting harshly to something with your kid a lot of times it's partly or fully a reflection of yourself part of your personality that you don't like or you're not aware of um, and so I've got four kids and there's four different kind of mirrors, you know, coming back at me, mm-hmm. uh, for me to, to deal with that. Right. Um, and contend with that and that itself, um, helped me to grow and mature as I potentially become more aware of that yeah. and allow for that process. So that's more of the therapeutic side of it that we've become more willing to embrace, mm-hmm. I believe. Right. Um, and even you see like, uh, what I don't like about everything everywhere all at once um, is their kind of rejection of the normal format for the, the parent adolescent movie, whether that's John Hughes movies in the eighties, um, or coming up to some, uh, some of the other ones this year, of uh, just the contending, the coming of age and changing and wrestling with the things that my parents, you know, 
are you know oppressing me with or rejecting of me or not accepting of me yet uh, while also trying to teach me right and so typically you come to some kind of rev- uh, uh, like in Ladybird which is more recent you know some kind of reconciliation around like oh I do understand my mother I do kind of accept her and she's also you know starting to accept me and 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 but it's a wrestling match yeah like there's no way out of that yeah um, and that's on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I'm teaching a marriage and family class or whatever, like the largest part of it is like normalizing conflict and conflict is good. If we don't have that then we're not growing, we're not learning, we're not willing to put ourselves out there. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's great. You know, and I think the fascinating thing is like comparing like, so the thing that's really um, interesting about the main character of everything everywhere all at once, I don't know if you agree with this. Mm-hmm. She is so unremarkable that it makes such conflict impossible. Right. Yet, in the multiverse, every version of her has conflict with every version of her daughter. Right. Uh, which itself is such an interesting concept. I, I watched this interesting like YouTube video. I, I forget uh, the author of it, but he's talking about how like the multiverse is just a dystopian like yeah. nightmare <laughs> because because <laughs> of this thing like that there is this this. Like in every multiverse that we've ever seen, there's always like slavery or something yeah, like that. Yeah, sure. And so it's it's this sense in which it's uh, the nihilism piece. I think of everything, every everything, everywhere, all at once. Let's get tongue tied. Mm-hmm. Um, like that nihilistic piece with the you know the everything bagel that is supposed to suck in and destroy everything yep. um, is such an interesting piece because I think that's ultimately what's at heart in the multiverse kind of language that that it's this really this nihilistic feature is like if everything exists simultaneously across the spectrums, then nothing exists, right? right. In that kind of sense, because nothing really ultimately is definitive. And, and that's, that's at least one interpretation of it. Sure. And, but I love like the language because you bring up this idea of kids and family, because that's really what both of the major, I mean, all of these multiverse movies that we've named all three is really structured around the yep. idea of family. Yep. Um, now, I, I don't know if this is crossing a line, but I know that you had some early reservations about the film, watched it again, augmented those, but still have some criticisms of the film. What were some of the things that really bother you about everything, everywhere, all at once? Uh, if And like maybe even talk a little bit about your journey with the film, um, if you can. Yeah, well, I mean, originally I was fairly hopeful because I liked the Daniels' previous movie to mm-hmm. this one, and, and obviously it just looked really interesting as a science fiction concept. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm, I don't know that I've really progressed much in my perspective on it and, and just in the sense of, and I went back to some of it towards the end today, but it's just really harsh in a number. I mean, it's probably the most progressive movie I've ever seen in terms of like a secular perspective. Yeah. Um, and, and who they do like in, in the movie, the personalities that are, you know, uplifted versus the ones that are rejected or, uh, shouldn't or forced to change essentially towards, towards the end. Um, and, but just again, the sense of everybody needs to be drawn towards the adolescent, right? Everybody needs to shift and change for her as opposed to like, if you watch the farewell, uh, which is a, a also a recent movie by Lulu Wang, the director, uh, basically an autobiographical film of her own experience with her grandmother back in China, mm-hmm. um, who is you know quote unquote dying, and and but they have this whole tradition of you know not telling her that she's dying. She thinks right. everybody's come around for another reason. Um, and so the in that movie, the uh, you know recognizing traditions and the wrestling with that as you know. Um, a young adult who's an an Asian American um, and very influenced by that, but also contending with, you know, family and tradition, you know, all that. Right. And so that's just not really happening in, in this movie. Yeah. Um, And it's so much more so about, you know, coming around to this person's experience um, and kind of coddling them rather than, than there actually being tension. And um, again, like, we're actually figuring each other out. Right. Um, and just again, but there, it's not that I don't, you know, uh, experience some emotional, uh, empathy, uh, towards the end when they, when they do make a connection mm-hmm. and they are wrestling through the letting go and she's chasing her off the rock, off the mountain. Yeah. Um, and whatever, but 
when it comes down to their their uh, the quote, we can do whatever we want, nothing matters. Again, it just feels like the sense of, well, then what what is it, right? We've got this few specks of time, mm -hmm. right? And I'm going to cherish that. So it just seems so like within like, I don't know, like what are you saying? Yeah. Yeah. And what does matter? Like I actually want to know what does matter. Right. Yeah. Um, and it seems that only, you know, the only thing that matters is joy and her needs and her experience at that moment mm, mm -hmm. um, rather than um, there being more of a, a wrestling match, emotional wrestling match happening. Yeah. That's a really, that's powerful. I think that that I ultimately, I think that every multiverse movie has that in some sense as its end. Yeah. Cause nothing can matter if it can be erased. Right. With the inclusion of another universe, like there's no stakes. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you 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 mentioned the whole idea is like okay, we can have a new Iron Man trilogy if we just fix this via the multiverse. <laughs> and a lot of people actually thought that was going to happen in this movie because they thought they would introduce Tom Cruise as mm. an alternate version of Tony Stark. Um, but in this movie specifically, I do love that rock scene. I will say, <laughs> um, I don't know why, but my favorite my favorite thing is I was clearly some mom in the theater that I watched this in drug her son to this movie without really knowing what it was mm -hmm. and when we got to the hot dog fingers yeah, section yeah. they had no idea what was happening <laughs> um which was something that kind of amused made me like and so in some sense like that kind of like over the top like really kind of ludicrousy is itself what the multiverse is supposed to illustrate there's this intense like universe where everything is possible yeah but then again nothing is because it's all just ultimately cycling back in on itself and nothing we really do actually is permanent yeah um, and I love that idea of like, uh, and I, th I think that in secularity as it exists in our current permutation is the move you, you, you talk about in terms of this progressive lens, it's this move towards um, like collapsing everything into the youth, right? Things that yep. tradition has no value, right. right? The collapsing of all narratives and things like that um, is, is itself, I think, a deep seated problem, right. um, which is fascinating. But um yeah, and, and I know that I, I sound like a broken record here on this, but I just, I think that you would just so love Uma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because all of the problems that you just named that you have between, uh, you know, Evelyn and her daughter, um, who's the main character of Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, I think you find a really beautiful representation. It's also really simple. I find that I'm loving simple movies these days. No it's doubt, It's basically man. in one house, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, And so, uh, I don't know, I just, I think that's a... Because both cover this idea of like generational trauma. There yeah. are three generations and everything everywhere all at once. There's three in Uma. Um, and both cover, I think, powerfully this idea of immigration, um, which is a theme we've talked about a little bit in our show. Sure. More, more on the scale of like refugees and things like that, back with Beast of No Nation. Yep. Um, and so immigration, I think, is, is something that they're trying to illustrate here because one of the things i mean i'm I, this is me just speaking out loud and i'd love to get your thoughts on this but the uh the idea of like a multiverse like a new world is itself one of the promises that a lot of people hold out in terms of immigration and when they get to the new reality it, it can be bad right and so someone who's very respected and revered in say like korea when they come to america they don't find the same level of reverence oh, yeah. because the cultural norms are different yeah there isn't as much respect for the elderly. And so um, I think of this as kind of like a really interesting critique of the immigration narrative in certain respects. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I love it. I mean, what I'm thinking of in context of our conversation is also two other movies that I've really liked. Again, with the Asian American uh, adolescent daughter, one is Marvelous in the Black Hole, who's oh, yeah. uh, in her family, it's her dad and her sister. Uh, and you come to find pretty quickly that her mom had passed away fairly mm. recently. Mm -hmm. uh, but dad already has a girlfriend that's moving towards like something more significant. Mm -hmm. uh, but the younger daughter, who the movie is primarily about, does not, you know, she's just not having it. So she's getting in trouble at school. Mm. Uh, she's making it obvious she doesn't like dad's girlfriend, you know, all these things. Um, and there's one scene in that where uh, the dad, you know, she's gotten in trouble for like the 18th time. Uh, and he confronts her as like, you know, you're not the only one hurting here, mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm hurting too. Uh, and they show him in a different scene just by himself praying, which he sees him through the window. 
um, and trying to, you know, navigate this whole thing. So it's a really great, um, again, struggle together of how do they, how do they come back together mm-hmm. is a great, and mm-hmm. the, the reconciliation at the end is great. Uh, yeah. And then this newer Don't Make Me Go, uh, which is on Amazon. It's an Amazon-made right. movie, like last year's Encounter that I talked about. Uh, but Don't Make Me Go has John Cho, who mm-hmm. uh, from Star Trek and all that. But yeah, he's one of mine in the movie Columbus I've talked about. He's a great um, – I just enjoy his presence. Mm-hmm. But it's the second mm-hmm. time I think I've seen him play a father. And, again, it's him and his uh, daughter that he's raised on his own. Uh, and their journey together to uh, to potentially go see her – uh, biological mother who's not been a part of her life mm. um, and for reasons that he's put together and hidden from her and again just their wrestling match through throughout that whole thing mm-hmm. um, and where they finally find each other at some point at the end in a more honest way so anyways big way around not addressing in the immigration issue directly as much as just mm-hmm. uh, yeah these are families and these are uh, realities for them and how does that um, how in the farewell very much uh, for the most part really dire- uh, directly deals with tradition mm. um, and back there <clears throat> and right here in a very vi- visceral way which I thought yeah. was you know great but yeah. they all have to deal with grief <clears throat> in some ways I just think that's that obviously I'm drawn to that yeah in general but uh, really uh, bring that to the forefront where again uh, for my um, the thing I'm always talking about, moving from guilt to grief, mm-hmm. uh, that everything, everywhere, all at once, and it's nothing matters universe, feels like at best it's contending with guilt, um, getting to a place where we don't feel guilty. I don't feel bad about myself, or I don't feel bad about you anymore, mm-hmm. uh, rather than getting to a place of grief where we're suffering together. Mm-hmm. Right? In mm-hmm. guilt, we don't suffer together. We blame each other. But in grief, we're actually able to suffer with one another. Yeah. Um, and those other movies are actually getting to that place and doing that where everything everywhere all at once doesn't seem mature enough to figure that out. Yeah. And in some sense, like you think for a second that it's moving that direction, specifically mm-hmm. during that rock mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. Like that is the moment where I thought it was like, OK, this is coming around to some kind of shared understanding and growth, yeah. especially on the part of the daughter. Yeah. Um, because the mother has moved now in this part. Like, you know, there's the revelation that the daughter is kind of the big bad that's rampaging through the universes and things like that. But that scene then took a turn wherein there was no movement that you mentioned from, you know, guilt to grief. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's an excellent transition point um, too. And, you know, this is <laughs> this is funny, obviously, because I love Marvel movies, but... You know, I they obviously are not like great works of cinema. I mean, some of them I think are, are really great, but just for my own personal interest. Well, but, yeah, I mean, they're fun. They're fun comic book movies. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think that the multiverse of madness does this well. Actually, the movement from guilt to grief. Um, well, so you're t- yeah, and talking about what's her name, Scarlet Witch. Yep. Yeah, and what's her name? Wanda. Yeah, Wanda. Yeah, yeah Wanda. So I actually liked that first half of her show, at least before it turned into a Marvel movie at the end That's of the right. show. Yeah. But, um, and that's my biggest contention. With I'm just uh, I think uh, exhausted by green screen fighting action scenes, um, and there's you know uh, too much of that, and especially in the multiverse. Doctor Strange has got all the stuff going on, and you know it's all animated. But um, but I did what definitely recognized and was compelled by when Wanda finally gets there or when Scarlet Witch essentially is confronting Wanda as a mother in this other universe. Right. Um, is a great kind of uh, con- confronting the internal darkness that she has given herself over to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know, it's just a great, it was just a great confrontation. You know, I didn't necessarily expect it, but having to then make a choice um, and, and for Scarlet Witch in our universe, having to, let go of an idea that she actually constructed into a universe or whatever, however that worked. Right. Um, and made it real. And now it's something she has to, to let go of in order to not destroy everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, was, that was actually intriguing and, and yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I did also love WandaVision and, you know, the last few episodes. I mean, I will say the one redeeming thing about the final episode is that the, the best, like, 
boss fight I've ever seen in that is between the two visions having the philosophical debate yeah, about yeah, right. what who's the real vision. And for me that was <laughs> that was yep. the greatest scene in all of Marvel movies is when they are having that debate. I have run my students through that conversation several times now yeah. because I think it's such a valuable way to think about what do we count as real. Yeah. Um, interesting. But one of the things I I love about Wanda and Doctor Strange and this kind of corner of the Marvel universe is that they do have interesting ways of resolving conflict. Mm-hmm. It's not just the giant beam in the sky and punching things in the face. Like in the first <laughs> Doctor Strange, for example, like he beats um, the main villain through tricking him um, with time, right? And with uh, this movie, you know, the, she's defeated by a look at herself through the eyes of herself as a mother, right? And, and, you know, even if, with if you look at the like I said, WandaVision, you had the de- the defeat of um, White Vision through of the philosophical debate mm-hmm. and kind of a a coming to recognize who the true like I mean I love that line we're both the true ship, mm. um, which is such a beautiful line. But I love the movement. Like a lot of people have kind of ragged on Wanda because she kind of turns super villain like super villain pretty quick. But to go again off your theme of moving from guilt to grief Mm -hmm. like i think that's illustrated really well if you look at her kind of trajectory you know she's a kid who's in a war-torn country experimented on by a doctor Mm -hmm. um, loses her brother loses her parents um you know then falls in love um loses him in doing the right thing like the the more it's really funny like the infinity war when she is killing vision to stop the stones from being like that's one of the more compelling scenes and i haven't known much about their romance up until that point as a watcher as a viewer and it was still really compelling you felt that you mm. felt every bit of that and i just think that's uh yeah kudos to her and paul bettany i mean elizabeth olsen yeah. that is and paul bettany really with very little time making you believe in that romance and then you know she has the grief that's experienced in wandavision has kids loses the kids She's gone through a massive amount of trauma, <laughs> sure. right? And so, and then in, in her trauma, she turns to something she doesn't fully understand, which is the dark hold. Yep. And then in that moment, like she's she becomes murder mom, as it is. Right. Um. And I think that that's like they keep trying to reason with her, but that that you're right. That grief where her kids kind of turn on her, and this is a funny programming note. Um. The scene where the kids are kind of throwing stuff at her as an actress, um. Like when she snapped it and it says stop it she actually got hit in the face that wasn't what was written oh wow and so elizabeth olsen snapped because she was like she wanted them to stop throwing things because she was like yeah. she thought she was bleeding yeah and, and so that's a cool they little, kept it yeah they kept it because of the pure Authentic, like energy yeah yeah and yeah that's and so she moves in that moment from guilt to grief and then destroys the dark hold um in every universe as a result um as a way of kind of trying to repent of what she's mm-hmm. done and protect protect people from the darkness that has led her astray, um, and so I love that that movement that you're talking about too. Uh, but I think you also see it in Doctor Strange, right? Mm. The movement from guilt to grief, because I think he feels really guilty about, and this entire phase of Marvel cinema has been about people feeling the weight of what happened in Endgame. Spider-Man goes through it. Um, Hawkeye goes through it. I mean, all of them. Every mm-hmm. show that has been done since then, in some sense, is having to deal with that. Sure. And here is him. Like, you know, I love that opening scene where he sits next to um, that doctor from the first film. And he talks about, like, I lost my cat and my brother. <laughs> you know, And he's like, was there another way? Mm-hmm. And Doctor Strange is the one who has to bear the responsibility that, you know, this is the reason all of this happened is because of something that I saw and decided to do. Yeah. Um, and he himself, like having to reconcile his own like ambition, right? Because you see the ver- other versions of himself yeah, that sure. are very power hungry. Yeah, his his movement from guilt to grief is something that I think prevents him from becoming a worse version of himself. Mm. He has to wrestle with the the, the alternate form, forms of himself in order to prevent that, and ultimately manifest in himself like letting America Chavez fight Wanda instead of him. Mm. You know, he doesn't have to be the one to do it. And I think that's a like, again, I'm using your your language here, yeah. but I'm seeing those connections now and I'm kind of word vomiting. At yeah, this it's point. great. But I love, I love that. Movement. I love it. Yeah, I love that movement. But yeah, I mean, any any other thoughts about Multiverse of Madness? I could go on about this. We've also got two technically podcasts on Multiverse of Madness, one a spoiler free review and a 
spoiler heavy review but if you've listened this far you've already got some spoilers so <laughs> i apologize for that but if you want a fuller review we do have that up on the podcast but um in terms of these kind of multiversal things um um what do you see any other comparison pieces you'd also mentioned spider-verse i didn't know if you wanted to bring that in too mm-hmm. well again that's another great uh coming of age uh movie that allows one it's animated so uh like legitimately animated you get to like have some more comic book kind of feel to that and fun with it but um, but ultimately the multiverse in that so it is interesting because who's the main villain in spider-verse uh, that one is Kingpin. That's right. So Kingpin's doing the same thing where he wants to get his family back, mm-hmm. right? So he's going into uh, like Wanda to try to create this thing so he can have his wife and kids back or whatever. But before you know, Miles uh, Morales, it's a coming of age film, right? And introducing the other Spider-Man characters allows them to kind of you know guide and walk him along. But I really like. Uh, again, nothing necessarily to do with multiverse, but just his relationship with his dad and his uncle. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. His dad's a cop. His uncle's a criminal. Uh, and his experience and the expectations for him at school yeah. and um, and all of that, right? Uh, and, of course, he's half um, Mexican or Puerto Rican. I'm not sure what his mom is. But, you know, it's just got a lot mm-hmm. of, like, uh, ethnic stuff happening for himself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of fascinating um, story regarding all those layers that are already there. Right. And the multiverse is almost a side note uh, to have some fun with that while he's journeying towards becoming Spider-Man. Yeah, and in some sense, that's probably the best use of multiversal yep. kind of travel because mm-hmm. I, I love the, again, the, the thing that is lacking um, as you details this idea of this tension between wanting to become something and um versus the traditions and things that are expected of you and that's the spider-man story mm-hmm. because every single spider-man story involves the death of the uncle right yep. that or the guardian that you know i want to do what i want to do like that's exactly what you know spider-man says to uncle ben right before he dies yeah. and then uncle ben drops the great tidbit with great power comes great responsibility and in some sense, like I think that really perfectly encapsulates what you're getting at with this kind of teen um, drama, because it's not like a full turn only to traditions, but it's a half turn at least to say that there is this tradition, there's this expectation, there's this good thing here, but there's also a new thing to do as well. Um, and I mean, you even see that in No Way Home. It's it's funny because I think the studio saw the success of Into the Spider-Verse. I don't think they expected it to be as successful as it was, but... They sure. saw that and then they patterned, like scrapped their live action Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and redid it just because they felt right. like there was a lot here that could be done with the live action mm-hmm. audience. And one of the pieces that I, I reflected on in the review way back when is I appreciate the way they use the, the multiverse, not as a way to erase responsibility, but mm. to illustrate the weight of choice mm-hmm. and to help heal and move. Because mm-hmm. in some sense, like... Tom Holland could have made the same choices or, or had the same trauma that both uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man mm-hmm. could have. Mm-hmm. But they help him see the errors that they've committed to help him reorient. Mm-hmm. You know, Not to say, like, hey, this, this did happen. It happened for me. And here's what it has done. And so help me reorient. And you've got that great scene where Andrew Garfield catches uh, mm-hmm. like MJ. Yep. And you've got the scene where Tobey Maguire stops him from killing the goblin. And it's just, it's powerful. In some sense, that's the best use of the multiverse. Yeah, it's great. To show us, like, the weight of choice. Not yeah. that choice doesn't matter, to go yeah. back to your point earlier. And you the, the, you know, the wisdom of shared regret, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, that comes from, you know, the elder, comes from when we are healthy in our, um, you know, lineage mm-hmm. um, and maturity and all of that, that that's, you know, that's what's important. Yeah. Um, and there's something to that experience and being capable of embracing it and being responsible and sharing uh, that, you know, allows for something new. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's the, the importance of the wrestling between the adolescent and Absolutely. the adult, you know, is that kind of shared experience. That's beautiful. Um, uh, one note that I, before we leave the uh, um, uh, at multiverse piece, the uh, Ki Huai Kwan, um, who plays uh, the father figure yeah, yeah, yeah. in this. 
I didn't know until recently. He short was actually round. yeah, this is short round yeah. and and data from the Goonies. Yeah. Um, and I love that because he had apparently said in an interview way back that he didn't think there was room for um, Asian actors in popular film, but then he saw Crazy Rich Asians. Mm. And he, he, he changed his mind. And so that's why he stepped back into acting and how he ended up in this film. That's right. I thought that was a neat piece that one of the elements that I think we're seeing in more um, of like, there's a ton of Asian American films and, and films that cover the Asian American experience being out there. That representation, I think, is leading to a new generation of um, Asian American actors finding work yeah, um, absolutely. really which is really good but before we go we did want to offer well actually before we switch is there any final thoughts on multiverse that you want to share with us yeah i don't think so man i think we I think we got all we can out of it that's right we we yeah we dripped that one drive we've this is the most we've ever talked about one film right and it's not like it's the greatest film like <laughs> you know um but it's it's there's a lot there um anyway so we're tri before we quit we wanted to Talk about maybe some of our favorite films of the summer. If you're somebody that hasn't gotten out to the cinema a bunch and you're looking for something to watch maybe um, as we're heading into the fall. Um, uh, why don't we start with you, Kyle? What are some of the movies that you really enjoyed of the past year? Um, and maybe some movies that you're looking forward to. I know that you've uh, got some things on your calendar for anyone local to Columbus, Ohio to check out. But mm -hmm. yeah, what are some things that you have liked this year and what are some things you're looking forward to? Yeah, well, uh, I don't know if you, we mentioned our, our conversation maybe before the podcast, but Black Phone was really interesting, which I think we're going to discuss yep. um, coming up. One I want to definitely uh, revisit. Um, and, you know, going back, I think I mentioned this back in the, the spring, semester, winter time, but both after Yang uh, and the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm, was yes. also um, that uh, Leatherface is not here for anybody's politics. Um, <laughs> he doesn't care about that, which makes for a really interesting kind of updated. Uh, and not comparing it to the original is helpful to enjoy it, I think. Um, and other than the uh, Don't Make Me Go, Marvelous and Black Hole, I uh, also mentioned those are both from this year that are worth seeing. But... I really <clears throat> want to write about both Ambulance, Michael Bay's Ambulance, and Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Uh, they both have a number of sequences in them that I, I think were really profound mm -hmm. uh, and really fun to dig into because those are obviously more block blockbuster type right. of movies, but I was uh, found them both to be quite compelling. And yeah. so you probably have seen those already, but if not, you know, especially seeing that either one of those in the theater while you can. Uh, is worthwhile Definitely. and then uh, you've also mentioned nope which I'm ready I've seen once and, and want to see again so that will be fun to discuss coming up as well yeah yeah fantastic stuff we mentioned this before and might have done this on the podcast several times but there's a lot of fascinating stuff out there with horror right now if you're yeah. um, it's not all just kind of slasher um, kind of stuff I mean even the the more slasher um, traditional films like the scream series I feel like are trying to do more now than they used to i mean granted they're, they're always a little bit more meta than i can handle but i you know i like them but yeah those are some great films nope and black phone i think we agree on that but is there anything you're looking forward to this fall yeah well um so the sequel to um the movie well, it's a prequel actually uh to the movie x since i've mentioned once or twice mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh from this year also uh the prequel called pearl is coming in september um, which I'm very fascinated by. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a new Scorsese movie coming out at some point, which we can maybe uh, integrate into our winter conversation. Oh, yeah, Lent great. conversation. Yes. Um, and Creed Three got moved from November to March, um, but I'm very excited about the third Creed movie. Yeah, those are some good films. Um, I'm excited for that as well. But uh, Go ahead. You know, you had... Well, just that those are new movies, but um, uh, I we were discussing earlier Hitchcocktober. So if yep. anybody around Columbus uh, wants to come down all through October, uh, and this is their 13th year doing it, but all month long they're showing Hitchcock movies, majority of them in 35 millimeter, which yep. is a really fun way uh, to experience those movies. 
Uh, this coming Saturday is apparently National Cinema Day. Yeah. If you knew that, September 3rd. Um, and I, don't, I think this might be the first one. I don't know. Uh, but in IMAX, uh, theaters are showing Jaws in uh, 3D, the original, uh, this weekend. And The Blob from 1958 in 4K at Gateway this weekend. Oh, that's a, great. Our family's excited about. So that's what's coming up. Yeah. Well, I think that we probably should just pick a few of those Hitchcocks and – I, I have a very special place in my heart for Psycho, mm-hmm. the first like mm-hmm. true Hitchcock film I watched other than Birds, mm-hmm. which I also really like. Oh, yeah, movies. for sure. Um, so I think we should probably just pick a few of those and do do some Hitchcock stuff because I, I love him. I think yep. he's a, a genius. I, I lament the fact that, um, that you know, we didn't get to see, get to have somebody of his, um, uh, of his imagination like do some stuff with more of the technology we have but in the same sense maybe it wouldn't have been as good yeah no Um, doubt i mean i think that's part of uh even with psycho and the shower scene uh and censorship all of that the way he constructed it uh it was you know intensely creative like it would have never been the same if he could have just shown somebody you know stabbing somebody that's right um and bloody like tarantino or something like uh, that's true yeah. part of what you know quote unquote cinema is has a lot to also do with restraint there's an argument uh, for restraint there or um, you know uh, working within certain boundaries that that brings out more creativity uh, and Hitchcock was basically the king of that um, yeah. during that era yeah that's fantastic well I will stay tuned we'll, <laughs> we'll kind of let you know what we cover on that and um, definitely the Scorsese film uh, we'll get we'll get to here on the road show um, as for me, for movies, um, and some of this, if you are a listener of the podcast, you already know, uh, the Brian and Charles film I really enjoyed. I mm-hmm. thought it was a very different take on the whole technology humanity trope. Um, instead of technology is something that's a th- like that's supposed to weed out the humanity that we have and kind of end in nihilism, it's something that encourages the deepest parts of our humanity to flourish and thrive. Um, and I've got a review up on that if you want to hear that. Nice. But I, I really enjoyed that film. That was a good film. Black Phone, we agree on. Um, and Nope, I, I do need to see that again because I think there's some really interesting, um, like, colonial themes going through there. Um, and well, the, the great one of the great things about it is it's much more visual than his other movies. That's right, yeah. Uh, where there's a lot more talking. Um, in the previous ones, <clears throat> or more more tightly constructed, you know, plot where this one kind of opens up mm-hmm. visually and and otherwise. So definitely yeah. be interested to discuss. Definitely, and I I mean, Get Out is one of my favorite films. Um, I think, uh, especially the horror genre of all time. And then this is a um, this is a I mean, it's it's more of a it's more of a blockbuster, but it was released on streaming alone. It's Prey which is a mm-hmm. new Predator movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge fan of that series. But And this one was just done really well because I think one of the pitfalls of the last several movies is that they've tried to do too much with it. It was a very simple plot. Um, it was set in a context that we're not used to seeing this. And it's, it's just kind of a classic monster story. Um, and it's also couched in kind of an um, indigenous story of coming of age of this one girl who's the main kind of protagonist of the film. Really enjoyed that film. Mm-hmm. I've, I've watched it a couple times now, um, and if you are a fan of that genre of kind of like monster movies, I think it's a really interesting take, um, especially from the Predator franchise. And I think that there's a lot of energy now. Hopefully, that they're going to do something. And this is this has been a hope of mine for a long time with like feudal Japan with a Predator showing up, and I think that would be really really good. But anyway, those are some of my films. I'm looking forward to Smile which is a horror movie coming out, it probably will disappoint me. I am waiting hmm. for that. But it's something I've been looking for a while. The, the, the main villain of that um, has been something that's been I've been interested about for a while. Um, and then Wakanda Forever, which is, again, you know, surprise, surprise, I, I named the Marvel movie. Um, but that film, I'm really interested to see what they do with um, Wakanda after um, Chadwick Boseman's passing. Um, and I know that it's going to be touching and beautiful because everyone involved with it was really close with Chadwick and they really done their best to honor him in this film. And so I am prepared to cry <laughs> a lot in that. And it's definitely a good trailer. Yeah, it's trailer beautiful. Trailer intense, yeah. It's beautiful. And I mean, it's the introduction of Namor as well, which is going to be great. I mean, they need new faces. Um, oh, yeah. One thing I forgot that I really enjoyed, and this is obviously not just this past year, but... 
Uh, Better Call Saul, the ending to that, I thought they nailed the landing on that. I don't know if you've been watching that. I have not, man. I have done Breaking Bad, but that's it's a uh, how many seasons of Better Call Saul? Wow, yeah. Well, I won't spoil anything in mm-hmm. case you do want to dive in, but yep. I will say it sticks the landing and I think even in some sense has a better kind of trajectory. Um, and I love this is some coming from someone who loved Breaking Bad and all of it. And I think it even sets Saul on a better trajectory. Um, what that means, I'll let you figure out later than it does for um, Walter White. But yeah, I, I loved that. I thought that was really good. Um, and, and there's a couple shows like that I'm looking forward to. Like, for example, House of Dragons is right now, the Game of Thrones uh, prequel. And then also the Lord of the Rings um, series, The Rings of Power, is it comes out on, on the 1st. Mm-hmm. And so um, I know you're a big Lord of the Rings fan. I am, I am now uh, uh, endeavoring to read the books uh, because I've... Mm. Uh, I've recently discovered all of the good theology of Tolkien. Yeah. And so I'm hoping maybe once either when the series is over or maybe we do a weekly thing, but I'd love to watch through that with you and maybe even go through the Lord of the Rings films as like a long-term project maybe in the future. But yeah. Um, because I think that there's a lot there. No doubt. And so, and I know that you're a huge fan of that. So <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, those are my films and stuff that I'm looking forward to. Any final thoughts as we're uh, wrapping up here, Kyle? Well, no, I did not. I think you did a podcast on Stranger Things. Uh, I did, Season yeah. four, which I did not listen to. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, um, uh, yeah, I did not, I'm did. i a huge Stranger Things fan. But Oh, wait, did you watch it? I'm I did. sorry. That's I did why I said, it. oh, good, because yeah, yeah, of the, yeah. I, yeah. Th- I thought I spoiled something. Maybe. No, you didn't spoil anything. Um, I like some of the new care. I mean, I, again, I'm saying that because I don't know your thoughts on it. Um, but... I just felt like it was mostly a huge filler season, mm. uh, and I was mostly annoyed that there were 28 locations that they were kept bouncing around yeah. until we finally. Um, I mean, I was exhausted by the time they all finally got back to um, yeah, whatever it's called. I they, think the fatigue for me has been the um, uh, has been just like the never-ending litany of villains that seem to come from the upside down. Mm-hmm. Like yep. it's just like it's never the same thing. Like yep. in some sense, the demi gorgon is kind of on the side. It's a side note, but I mean, I liked, I mean, I like three things. I like the apocalyptic nature of it. I love the D and D references. I mean, I just play D and D. So like, that's just, that's an easy win for me. <laughs> and then the third piece, I think that like the, the hero anti-hero elements of some of the characters is really appealing to me. Um, but I mean, also just like the, the sleeping kind of like Freddy Krueger type horror is really cool, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a great intro, and I did like the first couple of episodes, but yeah, I liked the second half more than I did the first half. Yeah, I, I liked the one first episode, I think, and then I mean, even just the uh, upside down looks ridiculous now because they're too big, so everything that was like grounded and felt like yeah. it was actually from made in the eighties in the yeah. first uh, two seasons. Now just all seems like CGI. Oh There's yeah. Too much of that going on. Yeah. And where they end with that, even like with the upside yeah. down now, like it's, I thought that this was the end of it and we were going to kind of close it up and kind of tie off those ends and things like that. But you no, know. just a bridge from three to five. That's right. And, uh, some to, of that's probably COVID, but you're right. I, I mean, in some sense, like for me, like the, the, the benchmark for, like faith horror and like just good classic tv show is midnight mass like still that's been yeah which i still have to i have to go back to i haven't watched it yet yeah you should yeah. you should but anyway i want to i like mike flanagan so i want to do that it's great i mean the redemption yeah. themes in this in that one i mean i mean it's just beautiful so yeah. <laughs> um anyway but yeah, yeah. so anyway no, so right did you have any other thoughts as we're kind of wrapping up no i think well i was going to mention if you're here in mount vernon um, their their art studio. I don't know what's the name. You know the name of that studio? It's the Buckwald Gallery, yep. or the Schn- Schnormeyer Gallery. Yeah, Schnormeyer. Yeah. So, uh, they have a Chinese American uh, art exhibition now called Matter and Spirit, and it sounds really intriguing. Per our conversation on Asian American, Chinese American, mm-hmm. um, and there's a whole description of that you can find. On well, I actually retweeted it or tweeted it out um, in Art House Roadshow. We'll retweet it as yep. well. Um, but again, another way to kind of engage with those experiences and, and whatever that they're bringing to the table by that. We might as well mention that since it's right here. Yeah. Ground zero. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, there's lots of great opportunities, lots of great cinema. Uh, you'll be hearing from us a lot more in the fall now that our schedules are a little bit more uh, yep. standard, and hopefully uh, both of us can stay healthy. But we appreciate your patience as we get things back up and running. Um, we are not done talking to you about movies. That's and right. We have a lot of good things on the horizon. And so be looking out for our next uh, show together, which should be here shortly on Nope and Black Phone. And we will keep them coming all fall long. And so thank you for joining us. If you'd like to support the podcast, please feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to us. It really helps other people find us. And we hope that you're having a good day. And we wish you the best. And thank you for watching The Art House Broke Show. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on Art House Roadshow. We'll see you next time.